Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Stu and Blake. Hello. Before we start this episode of the MMA Fan Podcast, we need to tell you about our sponsor, Free Train. Free Train do these fantastic running vests for you to run in, hit the bag in, and they keep your phone close to your chest. No more do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket when you run or at an awkward angle on your arm. You can keep it on your chest with easy access to your phone whenever you go training. And uh, what can the people do, Stu, if they want to get a vest? Simple. Head over to www.freetrain.com. Have a look. See what you like. And when you pop it in the basket, just before you check out, pop in the code MMA fan and save yourself 10%. I mean, don't ever let it be said we don't spoil you here on this podcast. www.freetrain.com. Go check them out. Excellent stuff. Right. On with the show. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about. Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, Brave, and Cage Warriors with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme, or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin, sitting opposite me today via the means of Zoom technology. Zoom technology. <laughs> it's me, it's Blake Harrison. Like it's a surprise. How you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm really good. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Got, got a little bit of a sore throat. Had a little test. It's not the Rona. I'm fighting good. fit still. Don't worry. Good. Right. Well, um, last weekend... Big fight, right? It was a very big fight. So for anyone that, that doesn't know, you've been living under a rock. Uh, we had the return of the snake. 
the EPO cheat, <laughs> TJ Dillashaw. Uh, and he came back against Corey Sandhagen. And it was a good fight. And uh, the, the Just quickly, se- just on. quickly, before we get on to the fight, right, what are your thoughts on TJ? Uh, well, in what way? What, 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 are you, what are you asking me? Do you think he's a snake? You know, he's, no, he's, he's got no, no way now than, than to play the bad guy because he's never going to be the hero now because, you know, he's he, he done the dirty on Alpha Mal and then he done the, you know, obviously he popped for, uh, for illegals. So it's a hard, it's going to take some serious PR to get everybody to love TJ like they did when he beat Burrell. Yeah, I mean, just, just, Quick thing, this is obviously, we, we, this is a bantamweight episode. We're going to do go through the bantamweight division, much like we have with the middleweights and the lightweights. Mm. But before doing that, we feel like we need to touch on last weekend and we need to touch on the, the Sandhagen-Dillashaw fight and the Dillashaw comeback and that slightly, slightly controversial decision uh, that gave TJ the victory. Uh, but we will be going through the whole bantamweight division. But uh, in terms of TJ... Yeah, I mean, I, I I felt a bit sorry for him back when it was Cody and Uriah giving him the whole snake thing at that series of the Ultimate Fighter because there was the one where Connor, it was Connor versus Uriah, wasn't it? Where Connor was mm. saying that TJ's a snake, and they were defending TJ, and then a few series of the Ultimate Fighter later, wasn't it TJ versus Cody? Mm. And I've started to feel like TJ was a little bit bullied. I was like, oh, poor TJ. <laughs> getting bullied by Cody and, and Uriah and all that lot. And I didn't like it. And I, I, I was sort of leaning towards Team TJ. And now, obviously, he's the drug cheat. He's the EPO guy. And it's very hard to not then look back at everything and go, oh, well, is there some, something... Well, there, there, there is something dodgy about him. Like, I, I watched. Did you watch... You watched the Chronicles documentary, didn't you, about... Why I told you it. to watch it. Yeah, I know you did. I was just saying for, for, the, for the purposes of the audience. Yeah, you, so you watched yes. it. So to answer my question, yes is the answer. So what? Did, yes, did, I did. So how did you? So anyone that's not watched it, Fight Pass have a documentary about TJ's return and uh, the whole EPO thing and, and all that stuff and why he did it. What did you think of the documentary? Two things. Um... I thought it was really good. Sure. Uh, but I thought it was some serious PR yes. and spin to get you to feel a bit sorry for TJ uh, and to make it look as if he's had this real battle, you know, and, and he was a victim of his own his own hunger and desire to to beat Cejudo and, and cut that weight and... And you know you see these. The, I mean, it's, it's it's worth a watch, definitely. For anyone that's not seen it, that has fight pass, give it give it a watch, because you see him like trying to eat like tiny spoonfuls of food or sip water, and the cramps he's got, and he and he looks he looks terrible, doesn't he? He does. He. I mean, so that documentary was like it had a couple of things for me. One, I always always start to criticize and question the legitimacy of a documentary when they show someone waking up and getting out of bed. Because I'm like, that doesn't exist. The, the camera crew's not been there all night. You've, yeah. got, you've literally gone to him. And this happened on something my wife was watching the other day. She was watching, like, you know that show Shit's Creek that's done yeah. very, very well, won Emmys and all that stuff. 
So they did like a documentary on, on that and how it became such a success and like, well done them, that's all brilliant. But they showed like the lead writer and, uh, and, and the guy that plays like the son, like waking up in bed and like, you're like, but the crew's not, bit. you've literally said to him and to TJ, right, get into bed and pretend you're waking up. And and it yeah. just immediately makes me go, oh well, this isn't real. It's all fake. And they, real would be better. Real would be so much better. Just do it real. Because there were moments in the documentary that in the TJ documentary that we're not moving on to like a Shit's Creek <laughs> analysis. No, now. I, I just think the idea of it being real that he did wake up and got out of bed, with, you know, obviously with his balls out, completely naked. And so, <laughs> Whoa, what the fuck are you doing here? Where'd you get? You know, <laughs> steaming into the camera crew. It's like you broke into my house. You like, see- that be the natural reaction, wouldn't it? You want to see Dilla balls all over the place. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, that, that, and, and then there was the, the dramatic element of like, he goes into the ice bath as they start um, putting the sounds of the, the, the audio clips of people talking about him popping for EPO. And then all of a sudden he's submerged, almost drowning in a deep swimming pool. You're like, oh, come on, just do it for real. Because the moments where he was talking to camera... And the moments where they did show the flashbacks of how awful he looked whilst he was trying to make 125 pounds, that felt really real. And I did go, do you know what? This guy very possibly did just realise his body was shutting down, realised he couldn't make the weight, and took this stuff not to injure his opponent. Not, it wasn't something he was necessarily taking all the time. This is something that he's taken for this one specific fight because he knew he was having so much trouble. Not, not in his words, not, not necessarily making the weight, but his body being able to train whilst making the weight. He was just too fatigued. And, and I kind of, I did buy some of that. I mean, there's no hard evidence, I don't think, but, the, but I did buy that. I took him at his word mm. for that. And I, I kind of get what you're saying, but to cut weight whilst training and he was doing what every other fighter has to do and you know however you look at it that fighter has a decision to cheat or not cheat other people don't make weight you know other people just go look I can't cut this I can't do it like and that's called sportsmanship and I think if you do the shortcut and you cheat you should be penalized which he was and he served his time I do think he's got a a hard tag to shake now. But moving on to the fight, I guess, the TJ that got in the octagon last weekend did not look like a rusty fighter to me. No, and I think you make an absolutely brilliant point. I think, you you know, you, once... I oh, thank you. <laughs> for once, for once, he's made a good point, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, you're right. That, that You do, you have a choice. Other people don't make wake. Other people pull out of the fights. And he went and he made that decision. So, so yes, um, I think maybe ESPN or whoever made that documentary suckered mm. me in because I'm a big softie. Mm. But, uh, mm. but, yeah, I mean... So going forward, I think Jeff Nowitzki, who is the, is he the president of USADA? He's like the head investigator for USADA, Mm. the anti-doping agency uh, that the UFC employ. And um, he was saying that I think in the two years that TJ has been suspended, he's still been in the the testing pool and has been tested, I think, something around 22 times and has tested negative for all, you know, illegal substances 22 Mm -hmm. times. 
So I think we should all be thinking this is a clean TJ fighting now. Yeah. Um, and you're right. He didn't look rusty. He looked good. And one of the things that I think was the most impressive thing that I haven't heard enough people speak about was the fact that he, like, hands up, I think TJ lost that fight. I think we can go through his scoring in a minute. I think Sandhagen won a very close fight, but I think Sandhagen mm. won that fight. And the majority of the people I've been listening to, the majority of MMA media uh, people, uh, media members, they, they, major, the majority of them agree that Sandhagen won that fight. However, mm-hmm. TJ, you could argue, on the judges' scorecards, has beaten Corey Sandhagen, who is, in a lot of people's minds, the number one contender for mm-hmm. the bantamweight belt outside of Jan and, and the Sterling fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to beaten him with one leg because he popped his leg at the end of the first round. So TJ won the first round for me. Has his leg popped because, in, by his admission, he got lazy in like a, a slightly compromised uh, position. Um, and then I think Sandhagen won that second round quite clearly. He dropped him. Mm-hmm. He cut him really badly. Um, and then I think round three and four were relatively hard to score, but I gave TJ round three. I gave Sandhagen round four. So I had them 2-2 going into the fifth. And then I thought Corey Sandhagen quite easily run won the fifth round. I mean, I've chatted to a couple of other yeah. people that don't agree with that. They think it was much tighter than that. But I definitely <laughs> think Sandhagen won that fifth round going into it 2-2. But, I mean, in some ways you could say credit to TJ for being so unbelievably tough that with a bad knee injury and a bad cut over his eye, which you have to say Sandhagen did both of those things. These weren't... Mm-hmm injuries he's gone in the cage with or it wasn't like a situation like with Connor and Dustin where mm-hmm. he's thrown a kick it's hit the elbow it's snapped his leg and all, all that stuff Sandhagen was trying to submit TJ and popped his leg TJ just didn't submit and then mm. Sandhagen hits him with a big shot and it cuts TJ's eye so Sandhagen deserves all the credit for those things however mm-hmm. the durability of TJ that kind of winning championship mentality of TJ was on full display Mm-hmm. to then go and, to, on, not on my scorecards, win the fight, but on the most important scorecards in the world, he won that fight. I agree with how you scored it, although I think the, the last round was, was close. Yeah. I, I, I don't think Sandhagen won that clearly. Um, I think it was close. Um, I, I don't know how they scored it, if they kept... Because TJ was relentless in coming forwards, and, and you know, he was... I wouldn't necessarily say in throwing the most measured shots. And I think, you know, Sandhagen, most of the stuff he threw was was, was exceptional. Uh, I think it was a very awkward matchup um, for, for TJ as well. Yeah. You know, Sandhagen's a tricky fighter. You know, he's he's tall and he's wiry. And they're, they're difficult fighters. We'll, we'll, we'll find out when you obviously make your Cage Warriors debut. <laughs> you know, tall, wiry fighters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think that you know Sandhagen is you know exceptionally tall for that division, and, he is, yeah. and and it, and it's a, a tricky, a tricky you know fighter for anyone. And I think pains me because I'm not a TJ Dillashaw fan, um, but I think I think he done really really well. And I didn't think Sandhagen have won it clearly. I think it was super tight, uh, and I wasn't 
necessarily I was disappointed but I wasn't surprised yeah I mean well we're not going to talk about too much the other fights on that card but there was some dodgy judging decisions if you go back and watch that card the Macy Barber Miranda Maverick fight was a weird scorecard Barber won that fight I do not know how and then there was the we might talk about it briefly on this because there it was a bantamweight fight Kyla Phillips versus uh Piva was uh, a win for Piva, but really, I think on most people's scorecards was a draw because the first round was a clear 10 8 to Kyler Phillips because he very nearly put Piva away and then Piva came back and won the next two rounds. It should have been a draw, but unfortunately, Piva got the win. Um, so yeah, there was some dodgy scorecards on that night, and I would say that the Sandhagen TJ one was a little bit dodgy, but in nowhere near as egregious as the Maverick Barber or Piver Phillips fights. Yeah, the, the the Barber fight was was yeah, that was a ridiculous decision. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Like um and I was a bit disappointed uh how I understand she was probably pleased, um, but she should have looked a bit more surprised. Uh and, and just kind of yeah, I don't know. I I thought maybe a little bit more humble in accepting that win because I don't think anyone thought she won that. Yeah, I think she she's kind of made a bit of a name for herself. I think as being like what the the pro wrestling fans call the heel, the bad, the bad guy, and all that stuff. When mm. she's been in some post fight interviews and the way she's spoken before, and maybe she's just running with that because people care about watching her fight, and that's what it is at the end of the day, isn't it? She's going to make more money by people caring, uh, a la Colby Covington and, and people of that ilk. So yeah, but anyway, let's move back on to the bantamweights. So the rankings are as follows for the Bantamweights. You've got Sterling as the champion after winning the belt by a dodgy disqualification knee. Well, it wasn't dodgy. It was the right decision. But, I mean, it wasn't uh, wasn't the way anyone thought that fight would go, even during the fight, uh, where Yarn threw that illegal knee, which got Sterling the belt. Uh, then you've got Yarn, number one contender. TJ Dillashaw is now number two after his win against Sanhagen. Sanhagen's three. Rob Font is four. Jose Aldo, five. Cody Garbrandt, six. Marlon Marais, seven. Frankie Edgar, eight. Pedro Munoz, nine. Dominic Cruz, 10. Mirab Divashvili, 11. Rafael Asuncao, 12. Jimmy Rivera, 13. Marlon Vera, 14. And Cody Stamen at 15. And then there's loads of amazing unranked fighters uh, that we might reel off at some point um, that, yeah, should be looking to get ranked, hopefully, very, very soon. So, I mean, it is an absolutely stacked division. It's but, ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. But what I suppose the big question is, we've got Aljamain Sterling is rumoured to be taking on Yarn again, which is the fight we all expected. I think it is... Is that not scheduled? I don't know if it's 100% confirmed yet, but it's late October, I think. It's meant to be on like a pay-per-view numbered card, but maybe not on pay-per-view. What I've heard is that it's going to be free to view. And I mean that in America as well, not even uh, in the UK. Like it's going to be free to view even for the Americans uh, on like ESPN or wherever. Uh, but I think it's going to be like late October. I don't think it's a hundred percent signed yet. It is late October. They're saying it should be on two six seven with uh, uh, Blahovic and Texiera. Well, there you go. So yeah, but um, but yeah. So I don't think the deal's hundred percent done yet. But I think it's nigh on there. Um, so we got Aljo Yarn. Coming up, 
Uh, I, I expect Yarn to win that fight just by watching how the first fight was going. Yarn seemed to be kind of dominating him, really. Sterling came Absolutely. out fast, but then Yarn really took over. And if it wasn't for that illegal knee, then I think we'd have a very more, a much more straightforward division that we were looking at. We've had a bit of a break with the, the belt on hold for a little bit because Sterling's had neck surgery. He now reckons he's coming back fitter and stronger, but after a surgery, you just never know. And then um, when you look at Jan's record, it's, it's really interesting because he's, he's got wins over Aldo, Uriah Faber, who's retired and no longer ranked, and... Sandhagen? Jan hasn't beaten Sandhagen. Oh, sorry, Sterling. Yeah. Yeah, Sterling, Sterling sorry, my bad. Yeah, so, sorry. so Jan, I mean, Sterling has got wins over technically Jan, even though it wasn't mm. really a win. Sandhagen, Pedro Munoz, Rivera, Stamen, like all big names in that like top 15. And then he's got losses to Asuncao, who's also in the top 15, and Marlon Moraes. And if you remember that Marlon Moraes one, it was a really interesting one. He got knocked out really badly, but he seemed to go down for a takedown as Moraes was throwing a kick. And the kick, I don't think he turned it into a knee. It kind of caught him with the knee. So it was it was mm-hmm. one of those slightly fluky ones, if I can be so rude to Marlon Moraes. It did feel slightly fluky. Like that that wouldn't happen again if they fought ten times. And so yeah, so that that's one of those wins that you go, it's a legitimate win, but mm-hmm. I, I don't hold it against Sterling too much. Uh so he's got some big wins, Sterling. And Yarn, as I was saying, he's beaten Aldo. That's obviously a very good win. Uh Jimmy Rivera Uriah Faber, who's no longer in the UFC, no longer ranked. It was an older Uriah Faber, as much as I love Faber, you know, not what he was. And he's got a win and a loss to Magomed Magomedov, who's now in Bellator doing very, very well. Mm-hmm. He's not actually fought a lot of the top, top guys in in that kind of ranked bantamweight division. And so as much Why as... Why do you think that is? Do you think they don't want him? I will not want to fight Peter Yarn. He's a beast. Maybe. Well, everyone wants him when he's number one contender or the champion. No, yeah. no one's going to have a problem fighting him then. I don't know. Did he get a fast push from the UFC? Were they interested in having more Russian champions? Is it great for the region? All that stuff. There's all that kind of politics that you have to think about, I think. Um, so I don't know, but it's going to be interesting. I do think he's very, very good, and I do think he will beat Sterling. Um, but it's just interesting to see that he hasn't actually beaten that many top guys in the bantamweight division which means there's constantly going to be a flow of contenders which is a good thing that's really good mm. but i suppose the biggest question is what do you do now with tj dillashaw because he's won his comeback fight against sandhagen whether you agree with it or not he's in the win column but he's been out for two years after being found out to be cheating mm-hmm the other thing to throw in there is he has injured his leg and no one knows how long he's going to be out for now. So I suppose my question for you is, does TJ Dillashaw get an immediate title shot now that he's beaten a number one contender in Sandhagen or should he have to fight again? Um, if looking at the rest of that division, yes, he should have to fight again. But the fact that he's TJ Dillashaw, he's come back from a backstory that's very marketable, uh, which the UFC, I'm sure, are going to be very excited about. Um, He probably will get that shot um, because I do think he's more marketable than other potential contenders like Rob Font. Um, 
And and I do think that, you know, we've seen it time and time again that market ability sometimes will give you the edge over whether you've earned that shot. Hello, Leon Edwards. Like, you know, I do think that this is things that, that you know, we've spoke about on this podcast many times. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I can see it happening. I can see Dillashaw getting the win, uh, the, the, the winner of um, uh, Jan and uh, Aljo. But what do you think? Um, I think a lot of it is dependent on his leg and when he's coming back. I think you, you're absolutely right. Again, this is miraculous. You're making all these good points here, yeah, Stu. Yeah, um, yeah, I am good. But, <laughs> but no, I, I, I think that, you know, the marketability is a big factor. He's still the most marketable person in the bantamweight division. The story, albeit a negative story, is still a story that will get headlines and will get people talking and people will tune in to hopefully watch him get beat or maybe get mm-hmm. popped for EPO again or <laughs> for whatever mm-hmm. reason they're going to be watching him. I think they're going to be tuning in to Dillashaw. However, I think if he can come back quickly, if the leg injury is not too bad, we've got Sandhagen, uh, not Sandhagen, uh, Sterling Yarn in, in late October. If he can somehow be good to fight in... November or December, because I don't think the winner of Yarn and Sterling would want to come back that quick. They'd probably be February, March, something like that. So if he could fight in maybe December, then I think the right thing to do would be to say, look, you got caught cheating. You need to do one more win to get a title shot. And you fight Rob Font. If Rob Font's happy to wait until December to fight, because I think Rob Font probably wants to stay active. Um, but I, Absolutely. I, uh, sorry, but, but I'm just looking at Font's record, and, and I'm a big Rob Font fan. I, I, I think he's great, but looking at his record, I don't know if that means he gets an immediate shot. I think a fight with TJ makes sense for both parties. I think it solidifies that um, Font has earned the shot now, and I think it's... Oh, you, from, from, it, from Font's perspective, you mean? Both, I think it makes sense. I don't. I don't think looking at his wins, Garbrandt, um, Marlon, Ricky Simon, uh, and before that, Sergio Pettis, like that stand-up record. He's beaten some beasts there. Well, Sergio and, and Pettis the, is now the Bellator uh, bantamweight yeah. champion, so that that's something to to. That's a good, really good win. And as you say, Marlon Moraes, Ricky Simon, who is one of those unranked guys that is a great fighter, mm-hmm. uh, under underappreciated, probably. And then, as you say, that win over Garbrandt was a clinic, Incredible. wasn't it? That was mm. a, a, a really great performance. So, yeah, from... from I, I, I think it makes sense for both of them. To, I, I think that the winner of that deserves that shot. I mean, it, it makes sense for that reason. But it's, if you're in TJ's team right now, mm-hmm. you're probably thinking, they'll give me the shot over Rob Font. So would you not, would you not just sit and wait then? It makes sense for Font. Does it make sense for TJ? Like I, I don't think... I, well, no, of course it doesn't make sense for TJ. If TJ can either fight a, a fucking beast like Font or get a title shot, you're going to go for the title shot, aren't you? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I see TJ beating Sterling. Um, I think TJ versus Jan is a different fight. I think that could be a very difficult fight for, for TJ. Um yeah, obviously, if he gets the title shot, of course he's going to do that. He's not going to put himself in any more danger than he has to to get that belt. But 
I think if the, you know, we, we're talking about what the fighters want, at the end of the day, it's always going to be what the UFC wants. And it just goes back to the initial point, doesn't it, of what's going to be the most exciting fights. And and I think it'd be great if they'd done what you said and went, hey, TJ, you know, you've been popped. Like, you've really got to earn your shot here. You know, great, great fight at the weekend. But, you know, we think you should fight Font. I'd love to see that. I'd like to see that. And I'd also like to see if it could happen around, I mean, again, TJ's leg, we, we're not sure what's going on with that. But, you know, if it, if it happened in the weeks around that uh, Aldo, uh, Aljo, uh, Peter Yarn fight, then that would be amazing to just keep it like they're all on the same timeline. That would be brilliant. Here's another curveball to throw at you then. If, um, if TJ's out for a whole year, he's really messed up his leg and he's out for an entire year. We've got Yarn and Aljo in late October. Font wants to fight. He's desperate for a fight and he doesn't care if he's putting his number one contender thing on the line, whatever. Do you, as the UFC, go, well, Rob Font could fight Corey Sandhagen and we'll treat Corey Sandhagen as if he did beat TJ Dillashaw because they have done that in the past. They did that with Jose Aldo when he lost to Marlon Moraes. They still gave Jose Aldo the title shot against Peter Yarn because... <clears throat> everyone believed that Aldo beat Marlon Marais and that the judges were wrong. So do you, if TJ's out for a year, do you treat this in a similar way? Do you go, look, we know that technically Sandhagen didn't win, but a lot of people thought he did win. So if yeah. Rob Font wants a fight, why don't we do Sandhagen versus Font, even as a co-main of, of well, it won't be co-main, will it? Because the Aljo and Yarn fight is the co-main. But they're mm-hmm. doing those, what, Sean Sheehan, I think, is calling the Diaz fights now, where they do the five-round kind of co-co main event or mm-hmm. whatever it is that's not got a title shot. Or you do a fight night just after that card where it's Font versus uh, Sandhagen for the true number one contender. Is that something you can do, or do you think Sandhagen has technically lost and therefore he can't go into like a number one contender fight or he can't get one win and then get a title shot? What do you think? I think he can. Uh, I, I think that fight, if you know, if TJ's out for as long as you know, worst case scenario, say a year, then then I do think that, that that's a potential fight to be made. You agree? Absolutely. But again, I I thought Sandhagen won that fight. I think yeah. Sandhagen Font is. I think they seem like two really great guys as well. So there's there's no bad yeah, guy in that fight. They both seem like nice blokes. Um, <coughs> and. Uh, I think that would be great to find out who the, the true number one contender is there uh, and go yep. on and do it. But there will be people out there that say, look, Sandhagen, one win. Should he get a title shot after that? I think yes, because I felt like he beat TJ. And when you look at what Sandhagen's done recently, I mean, his wins over Edgar and Marlon Rice were spectacular. Like that flying knee to Frankie Edgar was... Ridiculous. It was, yeah, it was it made me shudder just thinking about mm. it. But uh, and then the Marlon Marais one, where he sort of like faked a jab and then came round with that spinning heel kick, was mm. brilliant as well. So I mean, he's a fan favorite. He's an exciting fighter, and I think that you know, I think it would be a good thing for the UFC to kind of back him a little bit. I think he's only twenty nine mm. as well, so he's still got a good few years left in him. Um, and I think that's a great fight. Font Sandhagen for a, a proper number one contender fight would be brilliant. I mean, we've also you know we need to think about the people that are just just behind them and, and obviously they're they're fighting soon. Obviously we've got um Pedro versus Aldo. Um Yes. 
When's that? That's, that on, the, is, that's on the Lewis Gain card, isn't it? That is on two, uh, 265, yeah. UFC 265, you've got Aldo versus Munoz, and Aldo's fifth. Pedro Munoz is ninth. Um, yeah, I mean, just look at Aldo's record. Is it's, it's ridiculous. Un- Unbelievable! I had so much fun. I think I think Frankie Edgar's as well. We'll get onto that a bit later. But some of the records in this division are. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I got like Jose Aldo's got wins over Chito Vera, Jeremy Stevens, Renato Moicano. Chad Mendes twice, Frankie Edgar twice, Uriah Faber, the Korean zombie, Cub Swanson. And then he's got losses to Peter Yan. He's got technically a loss over Marlon Marais, even though everyone else thinks he won that fight. Uh, and then Volkanovski, Holloway twice, and Conor McGregor. I mean, there's other fights as well I could go through, but I think that's, that's a long enough list. But just the, the names on that list, the wins and the losses, they're ridiculous. Conor, Holloway, Volkanovski, Korean zombie, Cubs want some Peter Yarn, Frankie Edgar. It's just ridiculous. That is a mental record. Yeah, he's. He, I mean, he's a he's a legit legend. And you know, I, I remember, you know, first seeing some of the Maldo fights and seeing him like um, just chopping legs as well. It was like, oh my god! Like I do would never want to be on the end of one of them. And and I mean, so we're looking at. Obviously, he's got the the the, the, the recent win over uh, Marlon Vera. And obviously, he's got the, the Munoz fight coming up. So, if he wins that, where does that put Aldo in the mix? I think he stays at five. I don't think he moves, yeah, up. Oh, agreed, I don't agreed. Think he moves up the rankings. Because ahead of him, you've got, as we've just discussed, Sandhagen, Font, Jan, Dillashaw, Sterling. Uh, yeah, there, there's, and he, technically, Aldo, technically, at bantamweight, is one and two. You know, yep. so... I think he needs two or three more wins, including the Munoz fight, before he's ever in contention for another title shot. Mm-hmm. So I think he probably stays at five. And after Munoz, maybe he, maybe he fights some of these like legends that are individual. I mean, he's already fought Frankie Edgar, but can you imagine Jose Aldo, Dominic Cruz? Yeah, like, that would be 
and astounding fight. Like, I, I would love to see that. And I'm sure that both men would want that fight because what a feather in your cap, say you've beaten either Dominic Cruz or Jose Aldo. I think, I think that's massive. Yeah. And, you know, for a long time, they were probably both champions of their respective, of, of featherweight and bantamweight. Mm. And then I mean, you, you weren't seeing as many super fights back then when they were the champions yeah. and stuff in like the WEC and the early UFC days and all that stuff. So I think, uh, I think that would be an amazing super fight, Aldo versus Cruz. I mean, mm. amazing co-main event on like a, a big title fight. Um, whoever was the title holders would, would love that on their card. There'd be big pay-per-view revenue coming in because those two were fighting, I think. Um, so yeah, I'd maybe like to see that. Um, we forget how young Aldo is as well. I think he's only 30. 34. He's 34. He's younger than TJ yeah. Dillashaw. Yeah. Which is mental to me. Um, he, he just, uh, the reason he probably looks old is because of them names you rattled off on that list. <laughs> if you've had wars with them, you are not going to be looking brand new. It's not going right. to happen. You are right. He's just, it just shows you how young he was when he, and so dominant at such a young yeah. age. It's crazy. Um, Absolutely. Other fights on that on that card, just the um, uh, the one we just mentioned, the two sixty five card in the bantamweight division, Casey Kenny versus Song Yadong, and I think that is going to be a real corker of a fight. I mean, Casey Kenny's five and two in the UFC, and he's only mm-hmm. lost to Dominic Cruz and Marab Divashvili. That's not bad people to lose to. And then Song That's Yadong, uh, he's I think five one and one. He's lost to Kyla Phillips, who we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. He's got a draw also with Cody Stamen, who's ranked 15th. So if Song Yudong wins that fight, maybe he gets a rematch with Cody Stamen at some point because Stamen probably should be fighting someone ranked below him. But uh, moving on to kind of, we've kind of covered the top five now. Uh, Gar- Garbrandt. Garbrandt is sixth. And I think Garbrandt's in a bit of trouble. What do you think about Garbrandt? Yeah, I... I mean, he, he spoke in a lot of the, the media leading up to um, the, 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 the last fight, um, saying basically how he, he lost his desire for it for a while. And it took, you know, and, it, and he was back and he felt good. And, and then to kind of get dealt what he got dealt, if you've got any doubts in your mind that you still want to do this, that's got to... Yeah, it's got to present a few questions again. I think Cody Garbrandt's uh, a, a great fighter. I think he's got absolute grenades for hands, and I think you know he's he, he's a legit problem for a lot of fighters. Um, for me, uh, I think he'd have a hell of a lot of trouble with uh, uh, you know any of those fighters that are ranked above him that he hasn't fought already. And if he was to fight any of them again, I think he'd, he'd be in a lot more trouble. Yeah. I- um for me, I, I think uh a fight I'd like to see, I'd like to see some of the people maybe ranked after ten and maybe even after fifteen, maybe kind of Garbrandt becomes that that gateway fighter, you know. He's he's earned his stripes, he's dangerous, he's still young enough to kind of go the other way if 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 all goes right, but I think he'd be a great fighter to kind of be that that sort of Neil Magny that let you know for 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 fighters that are that are unranked to kind of get that chance to step into the top ten. You think he's ranked too high? I do. I do think he's ranked too high. I think he's only one and four in his last five fights. 
that's not good reading. I mean, there was a lot of talk of him going down to 125 and fighting Figueredo. I mean, I think that was a done deal. He was meant to be fighting Figueredo, pulled out of the fight, and Perez stepped in. And then that's when three weeks later we had the Brandon Moreno, Figueredo won that epic fight. Um, I think if he does go down to 125, he needs to get a win down there before he gets a title shot. Although if you're Brandon Moreno, you're going, yeah, Chuck Garbrandt straight in. I mean, he's, he's not looked amazing lately and he's a bigger name than anyone else at 125. So that would make sense. If he wanted to go down there, he could probably get a title shot pretty quickly, uh, which makes There'd be some impressive hands there. That'd be a great boxing match. That would be great. I, 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 I think Moreno would win that fight. I, I would favor Moreno for sure. Um, just while we speak about the UFC and the um, some of the documentaries, have you seen the uh, the, the little film they made where um, he went and met uh, Canelo uh, in no. Mexico in the boxing gym? Oh, it's so good. They're both so pleased to meet each other. And they're just talking about their different styles and they're talking about Canelo said he got goosebumps when he heard him mention Canelo in an interview. It's really lovely. It's just like, uh, it's, it's worth a watch. Right. 100% I, I worth a watch. I need to check that out. I need to check that out. Yeah. But, uh, Moreno, he's just, love him. Yeah. Absolutely How can you not him. love Brandon Moreno? We're now going to go yeah. on to Moreno. Like, look, we're sticking with the bantamweights. <laughs> we're sticking with the bantamweights. Right. Hopefully Cody. Moreno puts on some weight and comes up and uh, we can include him in this soon. But, um, but yeah, back to Garbrandt. I mean, he's lost to TJ twice, Munoz, Font, but within that, he got that big KO of a Sunsail that was one of the knockouts of the year where he kind of leant up against the fence and just came over with a big right hook. Um, he can still get big fights because he's a big name. He's a former champion. I mean, Cruz hasn't got a fight lined up. Would he rematch Cruz? Because Cruz would probably uh, want it. But... one fight I'm thinking. Well, Cruz is ranked four places below him. Cruz got beat by Garbrandt and... I think Dominic Cruz would probably love that fight. Uh, would Garbrandt want to rematch Cruz and give him the chance to make it one apiece? I don't know. It's probably quite great for a feather in Garbrandt's cap to have said, I've beaten Dominic Cruz and, you know, he hasn't beaten me. Um, we have to consider money in this. Like, that's a, there's a big money yeah. fight there. You know, there's there's a lot more money for Garbrandt fighting someone like Dominic Cruz than there would be, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I guess anyone outside of that top five. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing is we're speaking about legends and there's a, some great kind of legends in that division in terms of like you could have Cruz versus Aldo, you could have Cruz versus Frankie Edgar, which frees Aldo up. And if Aldo if Aldo beats Munoz or even if Aldo loses to Munoz, Aldo Garbrandt is a huge fight. I mean, both guys would only drop a little bit down the rankings uh, if they lost. People would tune in for it. It would be a great one to watch. So I think Aldo could also be a really great shout for, for Garbrandt to fight, just to say he's fought a lot of these legends as well. I think that could be really good. And the other yeah. thing that we haven't mentioned is someone that is I, he's still outside the rankings, and I, I think probably needs another fight before he gets a ranked opponent, but there's been a lot of beef there. There's been a lot of talking on Twitter and all sorts. Sean O'Malley and Cody Garbrandt do not get on. And to give Sean O'Malley someone who's ranked sixth... <laughs> would be, I think that would take away any opportunity to build Sean O'Malley up. I think once you're ranked in the top 10, that's it. You're fighting the best of the best from that mm. point on. So if the UFC want to build him up a little bit more and give him a few kind of lesser known, lower ranked guys, then that's probably a smart thing to do. But I have to say, 
if Sean O'Malley takes on Cody Garbrandt at the moment, I think Sean O'Malley is the favourite. And I think Garbrandt gets wound up a lot in fights. And we've seen him go crazy in fights when he gets into like a bit, he, get, he gets hit hard and then he just wants to give you one back quick. I think O'Malley could easily wind him up and lead him onto a really big shot and take him out. Hmm. You're just stunned big there. Stunned there, silence. Is... Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I, I think I, we've you seen know, it. I, I, I... Yeah, I mean, let's not get too carried away with the sugar show. You know, we're saying that he's going to lead Garbrandt onto a big shot. There was a an unranked fight that wasn't even in the UFC that stood in front of him, and well, you know, I I, I yeah. think did not have the power or the experience of Cody Garbrandt. No, but he's probably more durable than Cody Garbrandt. Garbrandt does get knocked out, and. I think I heard that O'Malley broke one, if not both, of his hands in that fight. And he kept throwing really? them. That's what I heard. I don't know okay. if it's true. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So that would make that would make sense in terms of um, him not being able to put... Uh, oh, God, I've forgotten the poor lad's name now, uh, who he fought recently over the green hair. I mean, um, this just says everything, doesn't it? This really does hammer home the point that, I, you know, that... No one remembers his name apart from that dude with that coloured hair. Oh, okay. Matinho. His name was Matinho. Chris yeah. Matinho. That's it. I got there in the end. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, that would make sense why he couldn't put him away. We've seen O'Malley has got big power in his hands. We've seen him knock out multiple people. So, you know, I'm not worried about that. If his hands are, are okay, I mean, Garbrandt O'Malley would be a, that would be a massive fight. That would be a mm. huge, huge fight. But whether Garbrandt wants to give O'Malley that opportunity when he's ranked six and O'Malley is unranked, I doubt he would want to give him that opportunity. Again, money, money. All right. you know, there's, yeah. this, it, you know, there's, there's not the Edgar show. There's the Sugar show, and and that Sugar show is having a lot of attention, you know, put upon it and a lot of money thrown at it. They are building him up, and you know, I'm just looking in there. Obviously, you know, we've got. Um, Marlon Vera, who's, who's got the win against him as well. You know, I know that he's decided that he's not going to count that, but <laughs> a win's a win. And, and yeah. I watched that fight again today. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think there's, I do think there's lots of um, flaws in, in, uh, in O'Malley at the moment, but there should be because he's not the finished article yet. And I guess that's, <sighs> as a fan, the hype's got to me. And I want to see him yep. in there with the big boys, um, but I can't. I'm not. I'm too impatient. But I know that the the, the smart man, uh, and I'm sure the UFC are thinking, no, 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 he'll get there. But like, you know, he's got to go some yet. And then when he gets there, he'll be doing some serious damage to them people in the top five. And you know, he's a potential future champ. Yeah. Yeah. Very possibly. Um... Moving down the rankings, we've got Marlon Marais, who's taking on Marab Divashvili. Uh, that is at UFC 266, which is on the 25th of September. Um, Marais, I think, is on a two-fight losing streak at the moment, and I don't. I think Divashvili is an absolute steam train, and I think he's rolling through that division at the moment. Uh, it'll be an interesting fight. I think we saw... I think Marais can... 
can take out anyone in the first three minutes. But yeah. he's so dangerous in those first three minutes. Maraba's got such a pace that he can put on people and he can take people down and he can grind on them and his cardio is unbelievable. And we've seen in the Cejudo fight that Marias can be winning the first round and doing incredibly well. And then maybe it's his cardio or maybe it's something mentally, but he does wilt if you don't go away relatively quickly, I think. So I think we'll see that, uh, I think we'll see Divashvili getting through those first three minutes or so, and then really putting a pace and a pressure on, uh, on Marais. And I think if Marais is on a three fight losing streak after losing to Divashvili, then Divashvili goes to about seventh. Marais drops down the rankings. And then he'll have to probably fight someone that is outside the top 15. Because if if you're on a free fight losing streak, I think you then have to fight an unranked guy or you should have to fight an unranked guy in order to keep your spot there. Because three fight losing streak is is quite a lot. Um, Although there's always the rematch with Jose Aldo, who would probably be above, well, is above him now. And if he offers Aldo that rematch just so that Aldo can on the scorecards, get that one that back. Maybe Aldo would take that. I don't know. Um, but Divashvili is such an interesting one because, I mean, he uh, he's on a six-fight uh, win streak at the moment. Uh, and But he's really good friends with Aljamain Sterling. They're off in Georgia together at the moment with... Um, uh, who's the ally Aquinta? Uh, they're just yeah. going around Georgia, riding on horses up the mountains, having a good time. And... Um, if Sterling, I think it'd be quite miraculous, but if he does manage to beat Jan and stay the champion, really interesting for Divashvili because he might end up being like taking out one or two more guys and being the number one ranked bantamweight and not getting a title shot because he doesn't want it because I don't think he'd want to fight his mate. I, don't, I think they're very, very close. I don't think they'd want to fight each other. So that could be really interesting for Divashvili. I mean, I expect Jan to win. And then you've got a great storyline with Divashvili trying to avenge Sterling and, and going forward, which could be fun. But if Sterling does manage to win and stay the champion for a bit, I wonder what Divashvili will do. Because I can't imagine him ever fighting Sterling. You don't know, do you? It's, again, and I've said it a lot on this podcast, but money talks, doesn't it? And, you know, if you put yourself in a position where that opportunity presents itself, you know, we've seen it before, haven't we? People from the same camps fighting and... Yeah, I think ultimately he's a teammate, but <clears throat> you know you don't dedicate yourself and put your body through what you put it through if you don't really want to be the champ. And, and I, yeah, I, I think any crack at that title, most fighters will take it. Yeah. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, maybe, maybe. After Marais, we've got Frankie Edgar. And this is another one of those unbelievable records. Um, I mean, he's only one and one at bantamweight, and he's only actually won two of his last six fights. His last fight being that horrendous knockout that he took uh, from Sandhagen's flying knee. But again, if you go down the uh, <coughs> down the, the the winds of of Frankie Edgar, you're looking at Munoz, which was a slightly iffy decision, but he got the win mm-hmm. technically. <clears throat> Cub Swanson twice, Yair Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens, Uriah Faber, BJ Penn three times, yep. Charles Oliveira, the current lightweight champion of the world. Charles Oliveira is on that list as well. And then he's got losses to Sandhagen, Korean Zombie, Max Holloway, Brian Ortega, and Jose Aldo twice. And Benson Henderson let's, twice as well. Let's not overlook those wars with Gray Maynard either. Oh, my God, yes. I mean, that is a long way back. But, yes, you're absolutely right. They were phenomenal fights as well. So, gosh, that is such, again, just the names that we've just read out there that he's lost and mm. won against, that, that he's been in the, in the octagon with. It's an incredible kind of resume of, of, of fights that he's had. And he's been undersized for a lot of those fights as well. He's, he's finally at bantamweight. And he was a lightweight champion, and he he was fighting at featherweight for a long portion of his career. So I think that just shows how how good he was. Probably still is, but he's definitely lost something. I mean, he was never knocked out until Brian Ortega uppercutted him about 50 feet in the air. And then, obviously, the Sandhagen flying knee as well now. So I think he's definitely <clears throat> lost the durability and, and, and some of the things that made him great. Probably a bit of speed at his age as well. But he's still a great fighter and a great name. And he's another one I'd love to see fight Dominic Cruz. I'd like to see... That, that, that... Go on. Sorry, go on. No, I just... No, I, I just want to say that I totally agree with you. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I'd like to see Cruz fight Aldo. I'd like to see Cruz fight Edgar. Edgar and Aldo have fought a couple of times. Aldo won, fine, we don't need to see that. But Frankie Edgar versus Dominic Cruz would be fantastic fights. Cruz versus Aldo would be fantastic fights. I'd love to see all those guys fight each other. Um, and for Cruz I mean, as well, it's just great names to put on his resume. And I think both Cruz... Cruz and Aldo both need a few wins to get into title contention again. So if you're Cruz, why not try and go for, for Frankie Edgar? And if you're Frankie Edgar, I think, I think your title run is done. I don't, I don't think you're going to make a run at a belt. I mean, maybe I'm being unfair, but I think with the stacked nature of that division and with Frankie Edgar's age, I think let's just give you some, some fun fights, some big names that, that are potentially winnable as well. Uh, and let's give you that. And I think Dominic Cruz represents that. He, he's a fight that surely someone of Frankie Edgar's stature and age could still get really hyped for and show us the best Frankie Edgar he can give. That's, a, that's just a great fight. It's a real, you know, legends fight that I think if it doesn't happen in years to come, people will look back on them, you know, the divisions that they've both fought in and just go, why did that fight never happen? I mean, when you look at Dominic's record, um, I mean, obviously, it's so, so split apart through injury. Um, yeah. And, and I think they're, they're the reasons that maybe them fights didn't happen 
years ago. And I think whilst they're still ranked in the top 10 and they're still active uh, and fit and, you know, and, and, you know, potentially as dangerous as ever, like, I think fans would love to see them fights. I think, I think, you know, the UFC would like to make them fights happen. They're, they're huge fan fights. And, and again, big paydays for both fighters. And is there a bad guy in them fights? I don't think so. Um, but then again, I don't know, Cody Garbrandt. What, for, for Edgar? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd watch it. I'd mm. definitely watch it. I'd... It's not got the legend appeal of, of Aldo or, or Cruz, of course. No, no. But, but, but for sure, I'd watch it. I kind of feel like they're two guys that, if it's not a really awesome big fight, it's a little bit of a waste maybe because they're both... They both don't seem like they're going to do much in that division at the moment. Maybe I'm being unfair, right. as I say. I, I kind of feel like I want them to either fight people ranked behind them so that they can either show, no, I am still good enough, or that person takes their <laughs> slot. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I, and the other thing is, how long's Frankie got? I'm not that bothered about watching him fight Garbrandt. I do know what you're saying, and I, I think I'd still definitely watch it for sure, but... Mm. I think because he might only have a couple of fights left in him, mm. let's make the cruise fight happen. Let's yeah, let's 100%. get that done. But yeah. but if they if they said Edgar versus Garbrandt, I think a lot of people would watch it, and I think it'd be a really fun fight. Mm. Uh, we mentioned Munoz earlier, who's taking on Aldo. I mean, if he beats Aldo, um, maybe he could call for Dominic Cruz. That's a big name for him. Uh, he'd probably be ranked fifth if he beat Aldo and Cruz would want to fight someone ranked in front of him. So that could happen. Also, if you're Munoz, I think the smartest thing for you to do is to beat Aldo, obviously, and then call out Rob Font because he's got a win over Rob Font. And if Rob Font wants to stay active, he might not. He might want to just sit, wait for his title shot or wait for a TJ, wait for a Sandhagen, which makes a lot of sense for Rob Font. But if mm. Rob Font just wants to stay active and just wants to get wins, if I'm Munoz and you beat Aldo, you're probably ranked about fifth and you mm. could call out Rob Font saying, hey, I've got a win over you. Mm. And if he were to get that fight, that would be massive. Because if he were to be able to beat Aldo, then beat Rob Font, he'd probably be in the top two or three by that point and he'd be looking mm. at, you know, I mean, the Yarn-Sterling uh, fight would have happened Maybe there'd be another title fight after that that would have happened between, I don't know, but between TJ and, and, the, and, and the winner of that. So that could put him in a really great position if he beats Aldo and then calls out Rob Font and Rob Font was to take that fight. Mm. So we're fast approaching the sort of hour mark now, mate. So do we want to kind of speak about maybe, or I guess we should discuss uh, O'Malley a little bit more because we've not really sort of looked at what's on the table for him. Yep. Uh, and then obviously we've got a couple of um, former guests and um, and British fighters that uh, I guess uh, we was hoping we was going to see fight in London. And uh, and yeah, I don't know what what the deal is, but it's looking like it's not. Yeah, I mean, well, it looks now, I think it's pretty much confirmed that <clears throat> the September 4th card, which has got a load of amazing British fighters on it, most of which we've interviewed on this show, is being moved to Vegas and is no longer 
going to be scheduled in London. I don't know why. I'm assuming it's some kind of travel COVID-based reason, which really sucks because uh, we were really yeah. looking forward to that card. My big thing is I really, really hope that they put it on at a time of day for the European fans. I really hope yeah. that, you know, they schedule it for kind of like prime time UK time or something like that. That would be a really great gesture gesture by the UFC. But if they're doing it in Vegas, maybe they won't. Maybe they won't do that. I don't know. But of those fights on the September 4th card, the big ones for us to look out for are former guests of the show, Jack Shaw taking on Said Nurmagomedov. And Nathaniel Wood taking on Jonathan Martinez. Um, Jack Shaw's undefeated. I'm not sure if he's 14 or 15 and 0 now. Might be 15 and 0. He's got three wins in the UFC. Taking on Saeed Nurmagomedov, who's three and one in the UFC. He's got obviously much more wins than that, but he's three and one in the UFC. Um, I just really want to see Jack Shaw win that fight. And I think if Jack Shaw does win that fight, then he'd be an undefeated fighter with four back-to-back wins in the UFC. He's got to fight a ranked opponent after that. And there yeah. are some that I think are ripe for the picking. In uh, Rafael Asuncao, uh, I think he's on a three-fight losing streak at the moment. Jimmy Rivera, who's two and four in his last six. Um, and then uh, I think as well, Cody Stamen is on a two-fight losing streak as yeah. well, who's ranked 15th. So all those fighters are ranked between uh, 12 and 15. And I think there's a lot of unranked fighters that if they get wins over the next few months, should be calling those guys out or looking to hopefully get those guys. And I'm really hoping that Jack Shaw gets a win against Said Nurmagomedov and then calls out one of those guys and gets a ranked opponent because he really deserves it. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, The other fighter... um... On that card, he's obviously Nathaniel Wood, the prospect. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I've, again, you know, what a delight he was to chat to. Um, and you called out a lot of fighters in that uh, rank between 10 and 15, apart from one. And uh, and I think we all know that that's where the fairy tale fight is for, for Nathaniel if, uh, if all goes to plan. You know, we'd love to see uh, Nathaniel keep working his way uh, through that division, and uh, and then at some point, I believe I'm right, avenge the loss uh, that uh, put his trainer Brad Pickett uh, to to sleep in his last ever fight, and uh, and I think that's we spoke about Nathaniel. We spoke to Nathaniel about this as well. I think on the episode, the fact that you know Vera could be the you know, be a great fight, and he wants that fight. He wants to be able to avenge, you know, that loss to to Brad. So I think that'd be a, a fairy tale fight for him. But you know, I think it's been up and down Nathaniel's career in in the UFC. So I think it's uh, there's a bit to do to, uh, to 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 get into fighting them them ranked guys. But from you know from what he was saying and been watching him on on the socials and his training videos and what he's been saying, you know, it looks like he's in a good place. So I'm excited to see what what the prospects got. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love Nathaniel. I think he's great. He's a really fun fighter to watch and he's a really lovely bloke to chat to. He is four and two. Uh, and his last uh, fight was a loss to Casey Kenny, but Casey Kenny's a really good fighter as well. Mm-hmm. Casey Kenny's no mug. He could be in the top 15 easy. I think he was a little while back and he lost to Dominic Cruz. So yeah, I, I think Nathaniel Woods got still could have a very bright future ahead of him. 
I don't know if he beats um, Martinez, whether he gets a ranked opponent next or not. Because you just got to remember how stacked that bantamweight division is. I remember when we spoke to Jack Jack Shaw, he said, you know, in other divisions, you get three wins in the UFC, you're fighting ranked guys. In the bantamweight division, you might have to get five or six wins before you're fighting ranked guys. Mm-hmm. And he's just accepting of that. And that just shows the depth of talent within the 135-pound division. So Nathaniel Wood maybe might have to get another unranked win after Martinez to get a ranked opponent then. But obviously, I'm totally biased. I want to see him get a ranked guy as soon as possible after beating Martinez. Hopefully that all goes well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Bantamweight division is just so stacked. But And we've got some great British fighters in it. So it's, I really want to see Nathaniel Wood do well there. And, uh, and hopefully go on and get a ranked opponent. But I wouldn't be surprised if he needs to fight an unranked guy next as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a shout out to David Grant as well, right? Shout out to David Grant. Unfortunately, he got beat by Cheeto Vera in an amazing fight. Um, he's getting on a bit in age. I don't know who he'll be uh, fighting next. I don't think he's got anything booked in. He's younger than Jose Aldo. Is he? <laughs> yeah, he's 35. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, but I mean, and then there's other fights. Ricky Simone is fighting Timo Valuev at 266. Ricky Simone is a really great fighter. Timo Valuev is very good as well. They could, they've definitely, definitely got um, a legitimate uh, uh, claim to fight a ranked opponent if they win, particularly Ricky Simone, I think. Mm. So there's that coming up. And then people that we haven't spoken about much are uh, people like Henry Cejudo. Mm-hmm. Oh, why did your eyes just roll? What's your problem? He just gets on my nerves, man. He really does. I love the king of cringe. Triple C. (laughs) I mean, he's he's a legit legend. Make no mistake. But uh, but what a melt. He'll be back though. He will. He will. He will be back, and I think he'll go straight for the belt again. I mean, he wasn't stripped of it. He didn't relinquish it because of any EPO stuff or anything like that. He just decided, you know what? I'm a double champ. I've done enough. I think really what he wanted was more money. And the UFC went, no, we don't need to give you any more money. Uh, And they called his bluff. But I think at some point he will come back and he could be dominant again. He's very, very, very good. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think I've been following him on any of the socials or anything so but I wouldn't be surprised if he's still training still doing bits still improving his striking to match that Olympic level wrestling he's got so uh yeah that's another one that you could just throw straight into either a title shot or a top two or three contender or number one contender sorry fight um <clears throat> so yeah then you've got would Uriah Faber ever come back for another fun fight? Maybe against TJ Dillashaw. I think that that would be a bad no. idea for Faber. I don't think he would That's do a it. Really bad idea. I, like, I, I do not think that Uriah Faber is 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 anywhere near. Like he, he's, you know, he's he's an old lad now. Um, I think, yeah, I don't really see that 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 that's a a, a doable fight. You know, I think, do we want to see him fight Dominic Cruz again? Nah. 
not really. Do we want to see Uriah get his leg smashed to bits by Jose Aldo again? Not really. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really see what there is in that division for 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 yeah for him to come out of retirement. I, I just don't see it making any sense. Um, come out and fight Sugar Show. No, why would he do that? Of all the things, you just said it exactly right. You just went, nah, there's nothing in that division for him. Why bother? Oh, come out and fight a Sean O'Malley. <laughs> like, I just mean there could be a few quid in it for him. Oh, there'll be a few quid and a bit of brain trauma in it for him. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure he's got plenty of money. He doesn't need that shit. Uh, so, so just to sort of wrap things up then, like, Obviously, we, we, we've touched on on Sugar a little bit. And, you know, he's fast becoming that thing where you can't talk about MMA like Connor without him coming into conversation um, because of the, the hype that's around him and the, the machine that is the UFC that he's, he's fanning the flames of the, of the Sugar Show. So with that in mind, uh, Mr. Harrison, who do you think should be the next fight for Sugar Show? For Sugar Show? I don't know. I, I, I think... I think Sean O'Malley should fight another unranked opponent. I think Chris Martino is not necessarily enough to get you uh, a ranked opponent. So he, he lost to Chito Vera. If I, you, you might have the stuff in front of you, and I, I don't. But I think from what I remember, he lost to Chito Vera. Then was it the Thomas Almeida fight? Almeida. And yeah. then was the Chris Martino fight. I don't think mm-hmm. Thomas Almeida and Chris Martino are enough to then get you a ranked fighter. Um, so I think he needs to fight someone unranked again. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see if Nathaniel Wood beats Jonathan Martinez, get Nathaniel Wood in there. Give Nathaniel Wood a shot. I mean, again, that's just based on me wanting to see Nathaniel Wood get a big, big fight. And if Nathaniel Wood were to beat Sean O'Malley, that raises his profile massively, which would only be good for him. Um, I also think Nathaniel Wood had Thomas Almeida on his hit list as well to avenge another loss there to Brad. I know well, that was it, that that came in the mix as well. Yep. Yeah. Well, they're, they're great fights for Nathaniel. I, th- I think that that would be a great... If he beats Martinez, then maybe... I mean, if he does... I, I doubt he would get an O'Malley fight, but if he did, amazing. But if not, go for Almeida, then go for Chito Vera. That makes perfect sense. That's a great little storyline there running through that. Um, I don't know. I mean, Sean O'Malley mentioned Ricky Simone, who... I think Did he? Yeah, he re- he mentioned Ricky Simone when they when uh Smoker dropped out of his Simone wanted it, I know that. Yeah, yeah, so there was a video of Sean O'Malley when he had no opponent driving and then he was like he did some weird song and then he just like went, "Where you at, Simon?" like talking to like Ricky Simone. Um Sugar is O'Malley Welsh. <laughs> you always say I'm doing a Welsh accent, no matter what accent I try and do. And that wasn't even me doing an accent. That was just what he just went. Where you at, Simon? Um, that's what he did. Um, what was that accent? Was that O'Malley? That's what he did. They did not sound like he that. He did. That's what do, an, do an O'Malley accent. Well, Go I on. can't do an O'Malley. I don't even know where O'Malley's from. But the point is, he put on a voice when he did it. He wasn't doing his normal voice. He went, where you at, Simon? Like that. That's what he did. So there you go. Oh, that's my ringtone. <laughs> um, that's what he did. And I stand by it. I All stand right. by my guns. All right, mate. Fair enough. Um, okay. But uh, I can't even remember where I was now. But the... uh, Ricky Simone versus um, Sugar. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's a great fight. Well, yeah, it could happen. I think maybe it's unfair to Ricky Simone because maybe he uh, should should be fighting a ranked guy. But... 
I think all these fighters know that fighting Sean O'Malley is just as good, if not better, than fighting some of the ranked opponents because of the eyeballs that Sean O'Malley gets. So I'm sure there's not a single fighter out there that's unranked that would be looking at Sean O'Malley and saying, no, I think they will want that fight. So that would make perfect sense. Um, yeah. I th- Jack Shaw, mate. Jack Shaw's record I think, is insane. Yeah, I, I, I think that would be a bad move by the UFC. Again, great for Jack Shaw if he gets that fight. I'm sure... I'm sure uh, that um, that he'd take that fight, but I, I don't think O'Malley looks at him and goes, "That's a really easy, winnable fight." And God no, and it's going to be in any way boosting my profile. It's not. I think mm. if you're in O'Malley's corner at the moment, you're probably going, "Give us either these winnable fights where we can style on people and really showcase our skills and build a build a fan following," or Give us someone that's really going to progress his career, which is like a Cody Garbrandt. Would he be? Yeah, Jack Shaw does not sit in either of them camps. No, he doesn't. Jack Shaw's too good, but he's also not ranked and not immensely popular outside of um, the UK or, or even maybe Wales. Yeah. So I, I think that um, I think uh, that Sean O'Malley would avoid that fight. But again. If Jack was able to get it, that'd be incredible for him because I think he'd have a really good chance against him. Jack's all round a, a, a brilliant, brilliant fighter, and that's why I think if he beats Said Nurmagomedov, he deserves a ranked opponent next. So yeah, I think that's <clears> it for Sean. If, if you're Sugar Sean, you're either going for the Garbrandt fight because I think he can win that fight, and it puts him straight in at number six, which is amazing, or you're going just give me someone else that I can style on and. and and you know, build a fan following. I don't think Ricky Simone's that either. By the way, I think Ricky Simone's a very tough. No. Fight. Maybe they just rebooked the Lewis Smoker fight. That makes sense. Smoker's Maybe. a bit of a zombie. O'Malley can just you know style on him a bit. I I, I pick O'Malley to win that fight all day long. So, I think <laughs> after the last fight, where yes, obviously, um, he, he you know he he done a number. He did look you know solid and and you know he fought an unranked guy, a completely unranked. Um, and I do think that the UFC are going to go, right, so where do we go with him now? Do we put another person in front of him for him to style on? I don't think so. I think he's done that now, that the attention's there, the interest is there. You've got a, you've got a, you know, a Cody Garbrandt that's probably a little bit down in the mouth at the moment and wondering where his career is going to go and who's going to be his next fight. I do think the fact that there's beef between them and they're giving it and taking it, I do think that... I wouldn't be surprised if that's the fight that gets announced. And I think that's a great fight. Well, it would get a lot of eyeballs. I'd certainly be interested in it. Um, so, yeah, but once O'Malley takes that step, if he beats Garbrandt, that's it then. He's fighting the best mm. of the best. And that division is only going to get better because, you know, you've got people like Mirab Devashvili that will be breathing down everyone's neck. I can see Ricky Simone's and and Jack Shaw's of the world getting ranked very, very soon and, and coming towards that top 10. It's just full of... It's not easy getting ranked in that top 10, though, man. Look at it. It's fucking ridiculous. It is. And even fighters like Asun Sal and, and Jimmy Rivera and stuff like that, they're not easy fights. They are tough, tough fights. It's just that they've been fighting the best of the best and, and, and are now on, on losing streaks. Yeah. But not because they fought bad fighters they've been fighting the best yeah. of the best and that's why they're on losing streaks 
So for sure, I hope that no one would would take those guys lightly at all. I mean, bantamweight is just stacked. It is, in a lot of people's eyes, the best division. It's not the glamour division. It's not the lightweight division with, you know, those huge names and stuff like that. But in terms of the depth of it, both in the top 15 and outside of the top 15 as well, I think bantamweight is probably the strongest division. And we're not even talking about other organizations where like one championship you've got demetrius johnson fights at 135 pounds in bellator you've got your sergio pettis your your magomed magomedov uh former guest of the show brett johns i know he didn't do particularly well in his his debut but i i can see him doing some great things in the future as well so you know it's just a stacked division Absolutely. And it might not be the glamour division, but it is. It's the exciting division because every fight that we've spoke about, they're all exciting fights. Absolutely. And it's got that great mix of young up and coming fighters with fantastic records and those legends like we mentioned, Valdo and Cruz and Frankie Edgar and people like that. It mm. It is brilliant. And then you've got the storylines like Will Cejudo come back, which I know you're very excited about. And, you know, TJ Dillashaw, the 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 cheat and what's what's going to go on there and all that stuff. So Snake. there's loads going on in that division. It's fantastic. Absolutely. I think we're done, mate. We're done. Bantamweight, done. Thanks. 